0: My name is Jamon McKinney, or you can just call me Juice because that is my nickname. Welcome everyone to the Juice Alert episode number 34 for you ladies and gentlemen. If you have not subscribed to the Juice Alert already, be sure to do that right about now. You will not regret it. You can find me on YouTube as well as podcasting platforms. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that great stuff. If you're watching this show on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button right about now. And also, if you're listening on podcasting platforms and you enjoy the show, be sure to leave me a good rating and review. It definitely helps me out right here. Uh, I just wanted to say happy new year to all of you, ladies and gentlemen out here. 2020 is officially in the past. We're all moving forward to 2021. 2021 is upon us. If you had a bad year last year in 2020, I sincerely wish that you have a great year in 2021. Personally, my year was filled with a lot of good and a lot of bad in 2020. And hopefully I can put together a dang near perfect year in 2021. We'll see. Um, What the Lord Jesus Christ holds for me, by the way, I'm officially now 20 years old. So happy birthday to me, Jamon McKinney, a.k.a. Juice. Yes, I'm now 20 years old. Definitely thankful for 20 years of life. I was born on January 2nd, 2001. That's a little fun fact for you guys out there. But enough talking about me Enough talking about my birthday. Let's get into some sports, man. I have six topics lined up for you guys today. A pretty short, a, a shorter show than usual today. You know, I'm kind of busy. It is my birthday, so I didn't want to, you know, overwork myself on um, on my special day. But I did want to cover a couple of things before um week 17 hits in the NFL before the NFL playoffs gets underway and also there was a gr- there were two great college football games last night between Notre Dame and Alabama obviously Ohio State is going to be meeting Alabama for the national title. We'll talk about Justin Fields later on in the show. I'll also talk about Sam Darnold, the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers. Some good stuff lined up in the show today, despite it being a shorter episode. Also, if you want to follow me on social media, you can. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My Instagram is G-H-I-M-A-N underscore M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. My Twitter account is at G-H-I-M-A-N M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. And also, if you want to get specific updates in regards to the show, you can follow the Instagram and Twitter accounts for the show. The Instagram account is thejuicelur underscore and the Twitter account is at the Juice Alert as well. Okay, let's jump right into the show. So obviously, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are two of the best quarterbacks in all of football, not just two of the best young quarterbacks in the entire NFL Two of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, point blank, period, in my opinion, okay? Lamar Jackson obviously won the NFL MVP last year in 2019. Patrick Mahomes won the 2018 NFL MVP MVP award. To me, both quarterbacks are top five quarterbacks. Off the top of my head, uh, no particular order, I say Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson in no particular order are the five best quarterbacks in the NFL right now today. If you look at Lamar Jackson throughout his career, up to this point, he's won 80% of his regular season games, and if you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's won 82% of his regular season games, okay? So, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, they're both dynamic quarterbacks. Both have a bright future in the National Football League. However, in the offseason, there was a list made by the NFL Network, and by the way, I have a lot of respect for all the people over at NFL Network, not trying to, you know, start stir up any controversy here, but on that list, Lamar Jackson, and by the way, this was a list that was, you know, made by the NFL players. So, the NFL Network, they do... Uh, annual list where they you know ask a lot of a lot of different NFL players who they believe are the top 10 players in the game of football and they add the votes up and they put together a top 100 list of the best NFL players and Lamar Jackson was voted on by his peers as the best player in the entire NFL. He was number 1 and Patrick Mahomes ranked number four on that list. And by the way, at the time, I said that was ridiculous. I laughed at it and I said, listen, when you even just watch Patrick Mahomes throw the football compared to Lamar Jackson, it just looks different. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, there's not a quarterback in the NFL that makes playing the quarterback position look more easy than Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson, You know, not so much. At times, his accuracy can be hit and miss. At times, his deep ball is not the greatest, you know? And I've always said, you cannot be the best player in in your sport, or you can't be the best quarterback in the entire NFL without having a single playoff victory. And if you cannot elevate under pressure with the chips on the line in the highest leverage moments, I don't consider you elite at your position. And Lamar Jackson, he's great. He's a top-five quarterback. But I don't consider Lamar Jackson to be an elite quarterback right now today. He has not earned those stripes. Heck, for what it's worth, a guy like Deshaun Watson has won a playoff game up to this point. How come Lamar Jackson has won a playoff game? He's had good rosters. He's had good offensive lines. He's had good running backs. He's had a good coaching staff. He's had a good defense behind him. He's had above-average weapons to throw to. You look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you look at Russell Wilson, those guys have been to Super Bowls and have won Super Bowls, and they've shown they can elevate under pressure, and not to mention, Patrick Mahomes just has a much stronger arm than Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson throws a much more better deep ball, and Aaron Rodgers, he's got a stronger arm, he's more accurate. Aaron Rodgers can do more with less. I think Lamar Jackson is the type of quarterback that needs a strong running game, that needs to be on script. He's not great when trailing from behind. That's been proven, people. When Lamar Jackson falls behind double digits, he struggles to come back. And I said last year, the gap between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson was shown in the playoffs. And by the way, I consider Patrick Mahomes to be the best player in the entire NFL, not just at the quarterback position. I consider Patrick Mahomes right now today to be the best overall player in the entire NFL. He's more impactful than Aaron Donald, In my opinion, you know, he's, you know, a lot more athletic at this stage in his career than than an older Aaron Rodgers, and he can make certain throws that guys like even Russell Wilson can only dream of making, okay? And, And like I said, the gap between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes was shown in the playoffs last year. Lamar Jackson, when he fell down double digits to the Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens were in trouble, and there was no coming back. Patrick Mahomes fell down 24 to nothing to the Houston Texans. Not only does he come storming back, he comes back on the Tennessee Titans from down double-digit points in the AMC Championship game, and in the biggest moments in Super Bowl 54 versus the San Francisco 49ers defense, an elite defense with a bunch of great players throwing throwing a pass rush at him, He elevates under pressure and leads the Chiefs from behind to win that game. He's starting to make a living off of his comebacks, okay? And not to mention, he's just way more accurate than one Lamar Jackson. And Patrick Mahomes has shown in the highest leverage moments, he can elevate under pressure. And we see this year the gap... Is starting to get even wider and wider between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Everyone said, oh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, they're the next rivalry. Well, how come every time Lamar Jackson goes against Patrick Mahomes, he loses? Patrick Mahomes is 3-0 versus Lamar Jackson. Has vastly outplayed him on three different occasions. Not once, not twice, but three different times. Patrick Mahomes. Has just vastly outplayed Lamar Jackson. It was not even close. Okay, he's beat. He he's three and zero versus Lamar Jackson in his career. And this year, we're recognizing, hey, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He's probably the league MVP just because he's having a great statistical year. You know, his team is doing pretty well. He's very valuable to his team. So Patrick Mahomes probably not going to win the twenty twenty NFL MVP award. But for what it's worth, Patrick Mahomes' team is going to win anywhere from fourteen to fifteen games. He's playing like like arguably the best quarterback in the entire NFL, not named Aaron Rodgers. And as great as Aaron Rodgers is right now, because of his older age, if you're starting a franchise today, you want to pick Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers. Right now, it's very clear that Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the entire NFL. And look at Lamar Jackson, I say, has he maybe regressed? Personally, I don't think so, but... There's a reason folks on Fox Sports 1, ESPN, your constant talk shows are asking the question, has Lamar Jackson regressed? Because Lamar hasn't taken the necessary steps that I thought he would take after winning the league MVP. And by the way, that's not a bad thing because Lamar Jackson is still one of the five to seven best quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now. But when I look at Lamar Jackson, I ask the question, is he as accurate as Deshaun Watson? I don't think so. I think Deshaun Watson right now today is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. For what it's worth, like I said earlier, Deshaun Watson has won a playoff game. Lamar Jackson has it, okay? When I look at Lamar Jackson and I think and and I compare him to Kyler Murray, I think to myself, the gap is not super wide between him and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray right now is having a better season than Lamar Jackson. I compare him to Josh Allen and I look at Josh Allen's Big, strong arm. I look at the way he moves in the pocket, the way he he evades defenders inside the pocket, his big body, the throws that he can make. And I think to myself, man, a couple of years from now, Josh Allen might be dissing himself from Lamar Jackson. So in reality, people, Lamar Jackson, he's amazing. And do I expect Lamar Jackson to continue to struggle in the playoffs, you know, year in and year out? No, I don't think that's going to be the case. I believe in Lamar Jackson. I believe Lamar Jackson is a—he's a long-term franchise quarterback. He's dynamic. He's pretty accurate when given time to throw. He throws with a nice touch. He's a super freaky athlete. You know, he's the best—you know—runner of the football at the quarterback position. You know, he's a pretty good thrower for what it's worth. Last year, he led the league in touchdown passes. He had one of the five to seven greatest MVP seasons of all time. I'm on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon. I believe in what Lamar Jackson is doing. However, people, until Lamar Jackson has playoff success, until he has some success in the playoffs, you cannot compare Lamar Jackson to... Patrick Mahomes, you cannot compare him to Aaron Rodgers, you cannot compare him to the Russell Wilson of the world, okay, until Lamar Jackson shows that he can elevate under pressure in the playoffs, he's not an elite quarterback, I just cannot put him in that category, and I think that a lot of Baltimore Ravens fans, I think a lot of casual NFL fans out there last year, because he won the league MVP, because he was so dynamic, they just wanted to anoint him to elite status, and I just think that that should not be the case, so reality, people. Lamar Jackson, he's great. He plays for a well-run organization. They're going to continue to put talent around him. I will say, I do hope the Baltimore Ravens trade for a guy like Julio Jones in the offseason just because I do think that they owe it to Lamar Jackson to get him a legitimate number one wide receiver, okay? But either way, you slice it. why I watch Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson play, you know, like I said earlier, the way Patrick Mahomes throws the football, the way it comes out of his hand, the quick release, when you compare it to... Lamar Jackson throwing the football, it's not even close. Patrick Mahomes is the better player between him and Lamar Jackson. And until Lamar Jackson has some success in the playoffs, you cannot compare Lamar Jackson to Patrick Mahomes or the other elite quarterbacks out there. That's the reality, people. We must accept it, at least for now. So Justin Fields and the Ohio State Buckeyes absolutely crushed the Clemson Tigers in the 2021 Sugar Bowl. They won the game 49 to 28. And look, I picked Ohio State to win the football game. I felt that Clemson coming into the game was a tad bit overrated. I felt that Ohio State coming into the game was actually flying under the radar. I felt that Ohio State had the better team. I felt that Justin Fields would step up to the plate and play very well. And, I was 100% right. And see, here's the thing, people. The narrative, you know, heading into the off, heading into this season, this college football season, the narrative surrounding Trevor Lawrence compared to the other quarterbacks out there in the country is, oh, look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, he's the next Peyton Manning. He's the next John Elway. He's the next Andrew Luck. You can't miss with Trevor Lawrence. The gap between Trevor Lawrence and... Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and even Justin Fields is wide, man. You can't go wrong with, uh, what's his name? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence can't miss prospect. Well, people, I'm, it's pretty safe to say today that Justin Fields has closed the gap between him and one, Trevor Lawrence. He, he's closed the gap, people. The gap has narrowed. Okay. Justin Fields in the Sugar Bowl versus the Clemson Tigers was the best player on the field and it wasn't even close. Okay? 385 yards passing, six total touchdown passes to only six incompletions on the day. Justin Fields also ran the ball effectively. He did have one costly interception, but but the the pass was kind of tipped. He kind of got hit when the when the ball was, you know, coming out of his hand. I don't really hold that interception too much on Justin Fields it was just a good play by the defense you know but listen people Justin Fields vastly outplayed Trevor Lawrence that's saying a lot because if you actually watch the game Trevor Lawrence did make some very good throws it's not like Trevor Lawrence you know just completely wet the bed sure he was not great versus pressure sure he missed some throws but Trevor Lawrence made a lot of good elite level throws in that game and Justin Fields He, he vastly outperformed Trevor Lawrence. It wasn't even close. And Brett Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in all college football. Arguably the best defensive coordinator in all college football. The defensive coordinator for Clemson. He threw look after look at Justin Fields. He threw blitzes. He tried to mix in zone and man coverage. He threw a whole bunch of looks at Justin Fields. And Justin Fields had to answer to every test that was thrown at him. And Trevor Lawrence, he didn't have an answer for, for Ohio State's pass rush. He didn't have an answer for what Ohio State's defense was throwing at him. Meanwhile, Justin Fields, he had the answers. And Justin Fields, at times, in the open field, he looked like a running back people. Justin Fields is a better athlete than Trevor Lawrence. Sure, Trevor Lawrence might have a little bit of a stronger arm. But you mean to tell me Justin Fields' arm is weak? That guy has a borderline cannon for arm. Did you see the balls that he was fitting into tight windows? Did you see him stretching the field with those deep passes? I mean, Justin Fields was off the charts, people. You saw the accuracy. You saw the deep balls. You saw the arm strength that was put on display, and you saw a quarterback that is every bit as good as Trevor Lawrence. Not saying, you know, Trevor Lawrence shouldn't be the number one quarterback taken at the time, but you better believe the Jacksonville Jaguars need to be having conversations about, hmm, should we maybe take Justin Fields? Should we maybe trade down with a team that maybe wants to get Trevor Lawrence? Maybe we should take Justin Fields point blank period because, folks, if Justin Fields puts on a similar performance versus Alabama in the national championship game versus Nick Saban's defense, I'm sorry, people, but there are going to be folks out there that are going to say Justin Fields should be the number one quarterback taken. And to be quite honest with you, at that point, I could not even argue. I probably can't even argue with those people because Justin Fields—he has all the tools to become a great quarterback. And right now, today, at worst, Justin Fields should be the second quarterback off the board in the 2021 NFL Draft. If that's not the case, shame on those teams that don't see what Justin Fields is all about because it's obvious, folks. Don't overthink this, okay? And I said heading into the season, listen, do not be surprised if Justin Fields becomes the number one overall pick. He's every bit as talented as Trevor Lawrence. He has the tools and the requisite size and the accuracy, the arm strength to become a great franchise quarterback. I've always said, you know... Trevor Lawrence kind of reminds me of the better version of Matthew Stafford. Justin Fields reminds me of a baby Deshaun Watson. You can pick or two. So you think is better? You know, do you want do you want to chill, do you want to choose a more mobile version of Matthew Stafford, or do you want to choose baby Deshaun Watson? Okay, that's up to you guys. Um, but listen, folks, Ohio State they have a real shot to win the national title. And I've been preaching for a while. Justin Fields, he's the real deal. Don't give me Zach Wilson. Don't give me Trey Lance. Listen, those guys are very talented passers as well. But it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and everyone else at this point. And I won't be shocked if Justin Fields is taking number one overall eventually if he puts on a great performance versus the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national title game. The gap between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is not wide, folks. And you saw... A great quarterback put on display in the Sugar Bowl versus the Clemson Tigers. Justin Fields is in the same tier as Trevor Lawrence, and the gap is not that wide between the two. So as you all know, I have not been afraid to be critical of Miami Dolphins starting quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. You know, I've always felt that Tua coming out of Alabama was a little bit overrated. You know, I liked him as a prospect, but I just wasn't on the the Tua's a generational talent bandwagon. He's the next Drew Brees. He's the next Russell Wilson. He's a canvas prospect. If he was healthy, he'd be the number one quarterback taking over Joe Burrow. I was not on. That train, I was not in those group of people that felt that highly of TuA. I felt TuA had an average arm coming out of Alabama. I felt he was very injury prone. I felt that he was a little bit of a product of the town around him. and I saw TuA not look good versus Clemson in the national title game versus Trevor Lawrence. I saw Tua not look good versus the University of Georgia in the SCC title game. I saw him struggle. Versus Mississippi State back in 2018 when Tua Tungavailoa faced very good defenses throughout his college career at Alabama. At times, he struggled. I just felt that he was not as good as people thought he was. I didn't think that he would overall become a great NFL quarterback. I felt that he'd be good, but not great. And I think the Miami Dolphins fans have kind of you know overrated Tua. To a certain degree, so far this season, you know, because it's been so long since they've had a great franchise quarterback, that they're kids at a candy store when they evaluate Tua Tagalolo, and I think that they've kind of, you know, overrated his performance as a rookie up to this point. And recently, I said Tua Tagalolo is a game managing quarterback with an average arm, and I stand by that statement. However, I wanted to address the good things about Tua Tagovailoa's game and I want to kind of, you know, bring up the positives in regards to Tua Tagovailoa because I do think that he has a chance to have a very long productive NFL career. So what do I like about Tua Tagovailoa? The thing that I probably like most about Tua Tagovailoa is his mental makeup. I'm pretty confident that Tua Tagovailoa will do everything in his power to physically become the best possible quarterback he can become. Tua Tungabaloa is a guy that's gonna be the first guy in and the last guy out. There are reports that the coaching staff says he lives in the film room, he's, he has great study habits, they believe that he's mature beyond his years, he's a grown up, and listen. You know, you look at some of the some of the other guys that have failed in the NFL recently, you look at Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, when he got released by Washington, Dwayne Haskins has a big strong arm, a much stronger arm than Tua Tungamalua. But because Dwayne Haskins, you know, has some off field issues, because there were some whispers about his work ethic being questioned at times, he's cut he no longer he no longer has a job right now sure he'll probably get a second opportunity and we'll see what Dwayne Haskins does with it i do believe that Dwayne Haskins has a chance to still become a great quarterback but you get the point Tua Tagovailoa between the ears you know upstairs he's got it mentally i believe Tua Tagovailoa is all the way there he's fully invested he's all in and he is a quarterback that is capable of leading a group of men not to mention, I also like the fact that Tua Baloa is pretty accurate. You know, Tua Baloa doesn't make as many big plays as your Justin Herbert's or the Patrick Mahomes or the Aaron Rodgers of the world, but Tua Baloa is a chain mover. He just likes to take what the defense gives him. He hits his open wide receivers. He doesn't he does not miss very many open opportunities. You know, if you give Tua Baloa a open wide receiver. Nine times out of ten, he's gonna hit that open wide receiver. He does not miss opportunities. There are some throws that he's incapable of making down the field, but for the most part, if if the guy's open and the coaches draw something up, Tua Tagovailoa is gonna find the open man and he's gonna hit the open man. And his ball placement is actually very, very good. You know, he, you know, when he throws a slant route, he hits his wide receivers in stride. He throws a very catchable football, and that allows his wide receivers to have great yards after the catch and make plays for him, you know. And the common denominator of a great quarterback is they're accurate. You know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they're very accurate. You look at some of the quarterbacks, they're super talented but have sort of underachieved or, you know, not performed at the highest level at times. You look at... The Cam Newtons of the world, the Jameis Winston's of the world, the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world, you know it's a trend, those guys aren't very accurate, you know Cam Newton's been to a Super Bowl, he's sort of an exception but a big reason why Cam Newton is not succeeding at a high level in New England and why at times he has not been able to repeat the performance he had in in 2015 where he was dynamic and arguably the best quarterback in all football just in that single season is just because Cam Newton, he's not consistently been an accurate thrower of the football. That's always been the biggest knock on Cam Newton. He's not the most accurate guy. Tua is consistently accurate. And he takes what the defense gives him. He's very safe. And the thing about Tua is... Sometimes he's not going to win the shootouts with the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Sometimes he's not going to be able to go against the Aaron Rodgers of the world and beat those guys. But one thing's for sure is is this. Tua Tungabaloa is not going to lose you the game more times than not. You know, he's going to make the right plays. He's going to take what the defense gives him. And listen, if this Miami Dolphins defense continues to hold teams to under 25 points, and they can hold teams to 17, 20, 23 points, and all Tua needs to do is go out there and manage the game and only score about 24 to 25 points, the Miami Dolphins are going to win a lot of games, and dare I say, maybe, just maybe, they can make a Super Bowl run. I, I said earlier that I'm not confident Tua can go to a Super Bowl, and I'm not confident he can win a Super Bowl at this moment, but if there, if there's new evidence down the line that presents itself, I'm willing to change my mind. And also, you can't deny this. Tua talking about Loa, he's six and two so far as a rookie. The one thing you can say about Tua is he wins games. We could talk about Tua's lack of arm strength. We could talk about the fact that he's not the greatest athlete. We could talk about his physical limitations all we want. But if the guy continues to win football games, does it really matter? And listen, Tua, he's got a chance to beat a very good Buffalo Bills team this week. And if he beats that team, the Miami Dolphins are going to are going to get to the playoffs. And if Tua Tungabalua can lead Miami to the playoffs, I say his rookie season is a big-time success, okay? And also, I think that I've been a little harsh on Tua just because when I look at the grand scheme of things, Tua Tungabaloa had no preseason games, had no OTAs. He has good weapons in Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki, but it's not like he has elite weapons to throw to, Um, and not to mention, he's coming off a major injury. He's just now starting to get his feet wet again. It's been a long time since Tua has played meaningful football, and he's now starting to get more and more comfortable as the season progresses, and you, you've seen it. You've seen the progression from Tua, you know. He seems to be getting better and better, and... Look, I'm not a fan of Brian Flores benching Tua on multiple occasions because it show it kind of shows me that the coaching staff is not all in on Tua's ability to rescue them from evil. I kind of question if Brian Flores thinks greatness is within Tua Tucker Malone's DNA just because if you think that Tua gives you the best chance to win, you'll keep him in these games and you'll see what he has and you'll see if he can come back Versus the Broncos. You'll see if he can come back. Versus the Raiders. You cannot keep babying, babying Tua Tagovailoa And playing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Every time the guy struggles. However. I will say. Tua. He's had a pretty good rookie season. He should be in the running for offensive rookie of the year. He's not going to win it. Justin Jefferson or Justin Herbert. Definitely deserved the award over him. Joe Burrow was playing at a higher level. Before he got hurt. than Tua Tagovailoa. But yeah. Tua. You can't deny the fact that Tua, he's pretty accurate, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, doesn't throw a lot of bare receptions, and the bottom line is he's winning football games. So we'll see what the future holds for Tua Tungabalola, but these are the traits that I believe will allow Tua Tungabalola to become a great quarterback one day. You know, the things I mentioned, you know, the accuracy, him not making mistakes, him making game-winning plays, him not turning the football over, him studying in the film room, his teammates loving him. Really, the only question about Tua Tagovailoa is this: Will he be able to elevate under pressure when it matters most? Because this Miami Dolphins coaching staff is putting Tua in a great position to succeed and win football games. And this defense, they're young, they're athletic, and they have a chance to get better and better. As a unit. So listen. The Miami Dolphins have a chance to become. A special football team one day. Meaning. I can very well see them maybe getting to a Super Bowl one day. If things break their way. However. If they're going to win that Super Bowl. If they're going to capitalize on this window. Tua Tagovailoa Will need to elevate. Under pressure. We shall see. If Tua Tagovailoa Is capable of doing that. In the near future. We'll have our answers very soon. I want to now shift to the Houston Texans. I want to specifically talk about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is one of the greatest and most dominant defensive players of all time. At least in my lifetime he is, you know. In the last 20 years, we've seen the likes of Ed Reed, Troy Palomalo, Aaron Donald, DeMarcus Ware, Darrell Reeves, Richard Sherman, Julius Peppers. JJ Watt deserves a seat at that table. He's the real deal. He's had a heck of a career. And JJ Watt is in the conversation for being one of the greatest defensive players of all time, as far as I'm concerned, like I said. And in twenty twelve, I felt that JJ Watt officially took the title. As best defensive player in all football, and until he got injured in early 2016, I felt that he was by far the best defensive player in the sport, and it wasn't even close. He was the best in the game. From 2012 to early 2016, J.J. Watt accumulated 61 sacks and 119 tackles for loss. That was all during a four-year stretch. He accumulated those monstrous numbers. That's insane production, folks. And J.J. Watt, when you look at his career, he's had a 10-year career so far. He's a five-time first-team All-Pro. He's made five Pro Bowls. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. He's led the NFL in sacks twice. And not to mention, he also finished second in the MVP voting in 2014 behind Aaron Rodgers. J.J. Watt, over the past couple of years, he's been one of the most valuable players In the entire NFL. He's meant the world to the Houston Texans defense and to that organization. Not to mention J.J. Watt is still only 31 years old. He has a chance to go down as a top 10 all-time sack leader. He can definitely crack the top 10 as far as sacks all-time one day. He has fallen off a little bit, but he still is a productive player, no doubt about it, you know. I won't be shocked if he's top 10 all time and sacked when it's all said and done. Like I just said, yeah, JJ Watt, he's the real deal. And I really think JJ Watt throughout his career has sort of flown under the radar a little bit, especially after he kind of, you know, fell off a little bit, you know, after he started becoming a little bit more injury prone. He does have the ability to play through injuries, but at times the past couple of years, he's been banged up a little bit. You know, his body's been through a lot, but when JJ Watt's healthy, There aren't many people that are better than him at his position. And recently, after a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, it was the Houston Texans lost to Brandon Allen, of all people. It was a bad loss. The Houston Texans in 2020 have not had a great season. J.J. Watt was asked, you know, about his passion for the game and asked, you know, what keeps you motivated? Why are you still so passionate when the team is struggling? Why are you... You know, still all in when the team just obviously sucks and they're not very good. And this was J.J. Watt's answer.
1: If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We're getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people that watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of. And they care about it. They care every single week. We're in week 16. And work four and 11. And there's fans that watch this game that show up to the stadium that put in time and energy and effort and care about this. So if you can't go out there and you can't work out, you can't show up on time, you can't practice, you can't want to go out there and win, you shouldn't be here because this is a privilege. It's the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and play a game. And if you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're four and 11, If you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bullshit. So that's how I just, I think it's that's there are people every week that still tweet you, that still come up to you and say, Hey, we're still rooting for you. We're still behind you. They have no reason whatsoever to. We stink. But they care and they still want to win and they still want you to be great. That's why those people aren't getting paid. We're getting paid handsomely. That's why. And that's, that's who I feel the most bad for is our fans and the people who care so deeply in the city and the people who love it and who truly want it to be great. and it's not. And that sucks as a player to know that we're not giving them what they deserve.
0: Folks, those are the words of a championship level player. And I really hope the Houston Texans eventually turn things around. I really do hope that they become a franchise. They can compete for Super Bowls, you know, in the latter part of JJ Watts career, especially due to the fact that they now have Deshaun Watson. I would hate for the Houston Texans organization to waste not only JJ Watts career, but Deshaun Watson's career as well. I just hate missed opportunities. And I feel like that J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson both deserve to be making deep playoff runs and to be competing for Super Bowls year in and year out because both of them are Hall of Fame level talents. Both of them are once-in-a-lifetime players. Both of them are great leaders. Both of them are dynamic players at their position. And I just fear that Houston might be wasting their Entire primes. You know, J.J. Watt already passed his prime. So Houston, in hindsight, kind of already has wasted his prime. So listen, if I'm the Houston Texans organization and I'm looking to rebuild this team, I would hate to put J.J. Watt on the trading block just because he's so great for that locker room. But that might be in the best interest for J.J. Watt if he goes to a Kansas City or a Green Bay or maybe in New Orleans, you know, or uh, an, or another team that's ready to win a Super Bowl right now. Heck, the Seattle Seahawks could definitely use J.J. Watt's services, you know. If I'm the Houston Texans and I'm thinking about trading J.J. Watt, you know, I would bring in J.J. Watt and i and I say, hey, man, listen, you've done great things for our franchise. Where are some of the teams you're interested in? You know, we're thinking about trading you away. Where are some of the teams you'd like to go to? Because J.J. Watt deserves... To win a Super Bowl. You know? Unfortunately, Deshaun Watson's kind of stuck there because he he took that long term contract and quarterbacks with the franchise tag. They can't virtually go anywhere. But yeah, you know, JJ Watt, we're not we're not talking about Deshaun Watson. We're talking about JJ Watt. JJ Watt, he's one of the best football players of my lifetime, one of the greatest defensive players of all time. He definitely deserves to be praised a lot more, in my opinion. I definitely think that his career has sort of flown under under the radar, like I said over the past couple of years, and J.J. Watt, for my money, is one of the best defensive players in NFL history, no doubt about it. I now want to shift to Sam Darnold. I don't ever think Sam Darnold is going to become a great quarterback. Now, looking back at Sam Darnold when he was at USC, I felt that he was overrated as a prospect, very similar to Tua Tungabaloa. I felt that, you know, Tua was a little bit overrated. I felt that Sam Darnold was a little bit overrated coming out, of, coming out of USC. You know, people said, Sam Darnold's a generational talent. He's the next great quarterback. He's a lot to be a top 10 quarterback. You know, I actually heard someone actually say this. They said, if Sam Darnold had came out of USC after one year, he would have been the number one quarterback taken. After only one year. And I just didn't see what everyone else was seeing, people. I felt that Darnold was good, but not great. I felt that he was very reckless at times. I felt that he made a lot of mistakes. He had hit and miss accuracy. And he was a turnover machine. And that's kind of what he's been in the NFL. He's been bad versus pressure. He's been reckless. He's made mistakes. and, And he has hit and miss accuracy. He also has been a turnover machine in the NFL as well. And also, keep in mind he's injury prone. He's had some injuries. He's not been able to stay healthy on a consistent basis. Now, with that being said, I totally understand that the New York Jets have done an awful job of supporting Sam Darnold. He's had bad offensive lines, he's not had great wide receivers. Adam Gase was brought in to help develop Sam Darnold when in reality Adam Gates has done nothing but stunt the growth of Sam Darnold. And listen, Sam Darnold is going to have a market in the offseason more than likely. He's going to get an opportunity to maybe go to a different organization if the Jets decide to move on from him and draft another quarterback like Zach Wilson, like Justin Fields, like Trey Lance. There could be some teams out there like the Falcons, the Panthers, the 49ers, the Indianapolis Colts. That will express some interest and be willing to throw out a couple of draft picks to acquire Sam Darnold, yo. Know, and listen, Sam Darnold is 23 years old. He still has some upside. You know, his his career is not completely over. He's not a scrub. He's not an awful quarterback. Well, he's a bad quarterback right now, based on you know his contemporaries. But he's not a lost cause. There's reason to maybe be optimistic. If he gets a better roster. If he gets a better head coach. If the Jets put more talent around him. With that being said. I just don't see anything from Sam Darnold. That tells me. He's going to ever become. A game changing. Top tier quarterback. I'm not sure if Sam Darnold. Is ever going to be. A long term franchise quarterback. And keep in mind. There's a difference between a starting quarterback and a long-term franchise quarterback. Tay Bridgewater is a starting quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. Derek Carr, to me, is close to being a franchise quarterback. But, to me, he's a very good starting quarterback. I don't know if Sam Darnold is someone, every single year, you're going to be able to sell to the fan base. I don't know if every single year... He's going to put a great product on the field. He'll be good. He'll maybe he'll maybe win you some games. But I just don't see any top-tier traits from Sam Darrell. You know, does he have as strong of an arm as a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Matthew Stafford? The answer is no. Is he as athletic as the Kyler Murray's, Deshaun Watson's, Russell Wilson's, or Lamar Jackson's of the world? The answer is no. Does he have the requisite size of a Ben Roethlisberger or a Justin Herbert? No. The answer is no. Is Sam Darnold as precise or as accurate as Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or Joe Burrow? The answer is no. Does Sam Darnold have the charisma of a guy like Baker Mayfield? The answer is no. To me, Sam Darnold comes across as a guy that's a little bit too timid. He doesn't come across to me as an alpha, as a super galvanizing guy. Darnold's just even killed, laid back, and to me, a little bit too timid. Okay? I didn't even mention guys like Ryan Tannehill, who are playing like top 10, who's playing like a top 10 quarterback right now. I didn't even mention Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Matt Ryan. Three quarterbacks that have been to Super Bowls. I did not even mention Derek Carr. I did not even mention Dak Prescott. I did not even mention Tua Tagovailoa, who has proven to be super accurate as a rookie. I did not even mention Carson Wentz, who's shown that he can play at an MVP level in the past. And not to mention, coming into the NFL this year, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are much more talented than Sam Darnold. And that should not be arguable. Folks, I named a what? 24 to 25 quarterbacks to me that have more special saws or more better traits than Sam Darnold. At some point, we have to draw a line here. At some point, we have to, we have to think about what is Sam Darnold's ceiling? Can he become a top 20 quarterback? Yeah, maybe, but that might not be even be good enough to win a serbo. Jimmy Garoppolo was not good enough to win the Super Bowl when he got there. Matt Ryan came up short. Jared Goff came up short. When it comes to Sam Darnold, I don't see a playmaker. I do see a guy that's willing to work hard. I see a guy that is a grown-up. I see a guy that will put in the work to try to become a great quarterback. But, folks, at some point, we have to recognize that talent matters. The Justin Herbers, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Those guys are dominating the NFL. The big, tall, strong-armed quarterbacks. The, the super-duper athletic guys. Darnold is just meh. He's M-E-H. Meh. He's just okay. He's just okay. And here's the thing, people. When players like Sam Darnold get put on bad rosters, We tend to, you know, give them a pass because of that. And to a certain degree, that's for good reason from time to time because, like I said earlier, the New York Jets have done a poor job of supporting Sam Darnold. But we tend to ignore a player's issues because of their supporting cast. When in reality, even if Sam Darnold is on the Kansas City Chiefs roster, or the San Francisco 49ers roster. If he wants to become a long-term, successful franchise quarterback, he has to be more accurate. He has to be more safe with the football. He has to be better versus pressure. He has to have more answers for the blitz. He has to get better at reading defenses. He, ha- he can't keep turning the football over at the rate that he's turning the football over at. Folks, Darnold has problems. And I don't know if Sam Darnold's talent is worth banking on. I'd I'd be willing to maybe give up a couple of draft picks, maybe a third-round pick if I'm really greedy and feel good about him. Maybe a second-round pick for Sam Darnold. But I don't know, man. I just don't really see what every other Sam Darnold fan out there sees. I think Darnold can become a good starting quarterback one day. But is he a guy that can win you a Super Bowl? Is he a guy that can win you big games? I'm not so sure. I don't think that Sam Darnold is ever capable of becoming a great franchise quarterback. Only time will tell. However. I want to now end the show by talking about Dwayne Haskins. So, obviously, Dwayne Haskins has recently been released by the Washington football team's organization. He was released due to poor play on the field and some missteps off the field as well. Uh, The coaching staff had no loyalty to him from the jump. He was drafted to an organization that was a little bit dysfunctional, you know, and they were not invested in Dwayne Haskins. From the jump, it was very clear to me, you know, based on what went on in Washington, D.C., that they just weren't super invested in Dwayne Haskins. They just basically said, hey, Dwayne Haskins, go out there. If If you perform well, great. We, you know, made a great pick. If not, well, eh, too bad for you. And I will say, Dwayne Haskins definitely blew his opportunity to become a franchise quarterback because while his situation was not ideal, all you really can ask for in the NFL is an opportunity. You know, some players that are really, really talented, you know, in college don't get even a shot to make the NFL. So Dwayne Haskins, he was drafted number 15 overall. He was a first round pick. He got an opportunity to become the long term franchise quarterback in Washington and he squandered that opportunity, unfortunately. However, I get the sense that I think Dwayne Haskins can turn around his career if given a second opportunity, and I believe he will get a second opportunity because, well, most first-round picks, whether they're deserving of a second opportunity or not, usually are going to get a second opportunity, you know, more than likely, just because, well, they're a first-round pick, and a lot of NFL, you know, general managers, live NFL scouts say, okay, you know, Maybe that guy just, for whatever reason, didn't work out with that team. If we put him in our program, if we get him with our coaching staff, if we work with him, maybe we can fix him. And I do think Dwayne Haskins is fixable, okay? As long as Dwayne Haskins is willing to put in the work, and as long as he comes in with a positive attitude, if he's willing to be coached, and if he humbles himself a little bit and comes in with a different mindset, I believe Dwayne Haskins can still become a great franchise quarterback one day. When Dwayne Haskins was coming out of Ohio State, I was very high on the guy. You know, he made really good decisions at Ohio State. He showed off his big-time arm. He played well in big games. You know, He broke records at Ohio State through 50 touchdown passes. In his only season as the full-time starter at Ohio State. And listen, Dwayne Haskins, he's still only 23 years old. He's got the requisite size. You know, when given time, he's pretty accurate. He makes pretty good decisions. And for me, he's mobile enough. He can definitely pick up, you know, 5 to 10 yards if need be. He's shown the willingness to go out there and run for first downs if he needs to. So, with that being said, what team do I believe is the best fit for Dwayne Haskins. What makes the most sense to me? I'll give you five teams that I believe are great fits for Dwayne Haskins if he wants to potentially become a long-term franchise quarterback. I believe the Carolina Panthers are the best fit. I go with the Colts up next. I say the Saints are good for the three spot. I say the Steelers are good for the number four spot. And fifth on the list, I would say, is the Chicago Bears. So let's break all this down. The reason why the Colts, the Saints, and the Steelers are not number one or higher on the list is because these are three rosters, to me, that are good enough to win a Super Bowl right now. And I'm not sure that they're willing to invest all their time in making sure they can get the most out of Dwayne Haskins because they're trying to win Super Bowls right now. So... Look, they're great fits. I think the coaching staff definitely could get the most out of Haskins. I believe the rosters are good enough for him to work with, but I don't know if Haskins can come in day number one and take over those franchises and lead them to victories right out the gate. And Chicago, they're low on the list just because they have a bad offensive line. The way Haskins, he's more of your drop back pocket passer. He doesn't play like Lamar Jackson or or even like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. He's going to sit in the pocket more times than not. He can move around. He can make plays, but he's much more comfortable sitting in the pocket. I don't like him behind a bad offensive line. And Matt Nagy, to me, as a play car, is hit and miss. But I will say the these four teams make a lot of sense, and they'd be great fits. And I could see Dwayne Haskins turning these teams around, not necessarily turning them around, but I could see him taking over as the long-term franchise quarterback for these teams, okay? And they need quarterbacks for the future. Let's be real. Ben Rilesberger's old. Drew Brees could retire. Philip Rivers could retire. And Chicago, Mr. Trubisky's just not that good. And Nick Foles, he's not that good. The Carolina Panthers make the most sense to me. And I'll tell you why. And by the way, I've been on this for about the last month or so. When Dwayne Haskins was benched, You know, in favor of Kyle Allen and Alex Smith, I said the Carolina Panthers could be a great fit for him even back then. So I've been kind of on this for a while, and there are actual reports that the Carolina Panthers have shown some interest in Dwayne Haskins. So why is the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion, the ideal fit for one Dwayne Haskins? Number one, I believe in Matt Ruhle and that coaching staff. Matt Rule, he's done a great job so far in Carolina. He's gotten the most out of his players. A player's head coach. He's super friendly. He's a nice guy. I think Dwayne Haskins could relate to him. And I think that Matt Rule's ability to coach is really underrated. And I think that he's the next great head coach, arguably, maybe in the next five to 10 years. You know, in the next three to four seasons, we'll be talking about Matt Rule as one of the best head coaches in all football. I guarantee you. Also, who's in that quarterback room? Teddy Bridgewater. A guy that Dwayne Haskins can sit behind for a year. A guy that he can relate to. And we all admit that Teddy Bridgewater is pretty accurate. He's pretty good. But he's not the long-term solution. Dwayne Haskins has more upside than Teddy Bridgewater because he just has a bigger, stronger arm. Okay? He was better in college than Teddy Bridgewater. So, that's another reason why the Carolina Panthers are a good fit. He can learn from Teddy Bridgewater. And like I said, they need a guy for the future. And the Carolina Panthers right now, they're not in win-now mode. They're building towards being win-now mode, but they're still rebuilding. Okay, so what does that mean? That means they can take their time. They can nurture Dwayne Haskins. He can learn the playbook. He can get comfortable. He can sit the bench for about a year, maybe two years if needed. And for what it's worth, this roster is pretty solid. You know, you look at DJ Moore. You look at Curtis Samuel. Those are some good weapons. Christian McCaffrey, he's a really good running back. The defense, they're good and pretty young. And Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers organization has proved they will bring in talent and they will specifically attack and address the needs on their football team because you look at last year's draft. They said, man, this defense is God awful. Do you know what the Carolina Panthers did in the draft? They spent every single pick on defense. So, I have reason to believe they're going to put talent around their quarterback. And I believe in Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. I believe in Matt Rule. And if Joe Brady does, you know, go elsewhere and potentially, you know, gets a head coaching opportunity, I believe Matt Rule is going to hire the right guy to be the offensive coordinator for the future. So, listen, I think Dwayne Haskins, he'd be a great fit for the Carolina Panthers. And... The Carolina Panthers are in a weird situation right now. They're a team that's definitely on the rise for the future, but they're in scary territory because I don't know if they can get one of the top quarterbacks in the 2020 draft. I don't know if they're going to be in position to draft a guy like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or even a guy like Trey Lance. They're definitely not going to get... Trevor Lawrence, unless they trade away a bunch of their assets. And I don't think you want to do that if you just invested in those young assets. So, yeah, that's the reason why I believe the Carolina Panthers are the best fit for one Dwayne Haskins. Now, they do have PJ Walker also on the roster. PJ Walker's pretty talented as well. But I think that Dwayne Haskins has more upside than PJ Walker. And long term, if I were to bank on who, who do I want to bet on? Who, who do I want to invest in? I want to invest in Dwayne Haskins over a guy like P.J. Walker. I like P.J. Walker. I think he has some talent. But I think Dwayne Haskins' upside is higher than a guy like P.J. Walker. So I do believe Dwayne Haskins could eventually turn his career around with the Carolina Panthers if he's given an opportunity in Carolina. And if I'm Matt Rule and that organization, I'd I, I make a phone call to Dwayne Haskins and say, hey, man, you want to become a, a member of the Carolina Panthers? Because I'm very confident that Dwayne Haskins if he develops properly, and if he works hard, and if he comes in with the right mindset, he can become a great franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers going forward. Well, folks, that's pretty much all I have today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. Have a god bless day, everyone, and I'm Ghost. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juicelur Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big-time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juicelert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a god bless day, and I'm out.